I could find in the kitchen, so I kidded with you. It's different. Good evening, everyone. My name is Jonathan Talbert, and I am privileged to uh, serve as children's minister here, interim children's minister. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Galatians tonight, starting off. So if you want to flick to that or turn to that and get ready. Did everybody that wants a note get one? There's more in the back if you'd like it. Galatians chapter 5, just for a little icebreaker here, curious uh, who stayed up past 12 p.m. last night, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., let's get one, congratulations, 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5, 4.30, we got up, nah, nah, nah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Y'all knew what I meant though, right? Okay. Now you know what Amy has to deal with. All right. If you've ever had a gadget that uh, you bought for a particular reason and you were happy with it, but realized later there's a lot more to it, then we're going to be kind of touching on that tonight. For instance, my phone... I'll just kind of admit where I am with a phone. I'm just happy to use it to talk to people, you know? Amen? I know I get somebody like Bob to appreciate that. So I got my smartphone. <laughs> I got my smartphone. Here's what I wanted to be able to do. I want to be able to talk, text, email, and do some internet search. You can do that. I figured I would never try to get any more apps or things like that. Now, I still like to keep my apps low, but um, there have been times when I've, I, I've found out that those apps come in really handy, you know. For instance, I've um, lost my keys before and uh, never had a flashlight, but reached in the back pocket, sure enough, there's a flashlight on my phone, and y'all know this. But there's so many apps that, you know, are really helpful out there, um, there's apps that you can actually find your phone if it's lost, right? Have you ever been driving and you're looking for a certain house and then there's the GPS app that comes in real handy? Has anybody ever said to themselves, I will never use anything besides talk and text and email, but you end up having like a whole page of them, of apps? Well, that, that's how it gets, doesn't it? But in the Christian life, it's similar. Let me, let me explain what I mean. Consider this like the smart book instead of the smartphone. Inside it, you know, you probably just want to know enough to know about God, know about salvation, and you're good with that. But there are so many more apps available in the Bible. And specifically, we're going to talk about freedom tonight, freedom in Christ, um, and try to get to the question, what are we freed from and what are we freed to? And that second part is a little bit more personal with me because I'm very good at, at God's gift of salvation. Um, I love the grace of God. I love to give the grace of God. But when it comes to where do I take that next step, I've had struggles throughout my life, you know, of, of being freed to something, okay? Get into that in just a little bit. But if you look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start off with verse 1. 
we're kind of going to go through a quick little tour of what in the Christian life, in any life, when God says uh, he offers freedom, what is that freedom from? So Galatians chapter 5, it's hard for me to turn pages as a uh, melted finger guy. Okay, this carpet cleaning thing, you wouldn't understand. All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And this is the HCSB, so it may be a little bit different wording, but Christ has liberated us or freed us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so if you know the book of Galatians, you know Paul was writing to this group of churches, and he was reminding them that, look, God offers this gift of salvation, and you're trying to go back to the law. You're trying to be enslaved all over again. You've been freed from that, and yet you don't even know what you're missing, you know? You've been saved. You have a new master, which is Christ. But you want to go back to circumcision and dietary laws and, you know, all those things that the law held uh, us enslaved to. Now, I don't want to say anything bad about the law because if you've ever read the scriptures and especially the New Testament talking about the law, it says the law is good. The law is a good thing. It's a God thing. But it was only a tutor or uh, a tutor to bring you to the real thing, which is Jesus. Okay? So, talking about um, freedom in Christ, the first thing we've got to understand is what are we freed from? And there's two areas. The first area is the law. And he says it right here. You've been liberated or free from the law. Stand firm them and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. He says in verse 2, take note. I, Paul, tell you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law. And all throughout the book of Galatians, you know, it's just a reminder. You, you've, you've stepped into a new place in your life, and that is freedom in Christ. Don't ever go back. That, that taskmaster called the law was, was a, not a permanent thing. It was a temporary thing to lead you to Jesus who fulfilled all the law. Okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 7. What else are we freed from? And that second thing is sin. Again, this is a tour of, of, of things that are probably basic to most of us. But we've got to be reminded of so we can move on to what we're freed to. So freedom from sin, Romans chapter 7. Let's start with verse uh, 14. Or 13, excuse me. <clears throat> Romans seven thirteen. Therefore did what is good cause my death? Absolutely not. On the contrary, sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh, sold into sin's power. For I do not understand what I am doing. Remember this, this, this conversation that Paul has had? I don't understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, verse 17, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. So if we talk about what we're freed from, first we've we got to really understand what we're enslaved to when we just come into this world called earth. We're, the Hebrews, the Jews, they were enslaved to the law. They had the law as their taskmaster to lead them to Jesus one day. Most of them haven't done that. 
Um, but then there's the other thing that all of us can relate to, and that is this, this, the master called sin, our flesh. Our flesh that, you know, is our worst enemy, okay? Some, I used to blame a lot on Satan, and I feel like he, he got way too much credit because it was really just my own sinful nature. And me saying, oh, the devil made me do it, you know, or, oh, he's really been hitting me hard. Then if I took a look back at my life and my experiences, I'd say, you know what, I kind of led myself into a lot of those things. And uh, I gave him a lot too much credit. Paul's is just hitting on that really strongly and clearly right here. I wanted to do some things, and I just couldn't do it, okay? So 717 basically just kind of tells, just in a nutshell, sin is the master, okay? And once any person on the planet understands that, they're halfway to the gospel, aren't they? That sin is a real thing, that it's the master of your life, and you're really not in control, even though you think you are. You make so many good decisions, you think, but uh, in God's eyes, they're not really that good, you know? Uh, our righteousness is as filthy what? Rags, okay? Because God's standard is so high, and we think all the, the things that we do that are seemingly good, they really don't meet his expectations. We all fall short of the glory of God. So sin is our master. And then look at verse 18. Paul says, For I know that nothing good lives in me. And I love it that Paul said this, you know, because he could have, and at one time he even did, he boasted about his, his history, his past, the way he grew up. You know, he was just the, the most excellent Pharisee, the most excellent um, Hebrew, uh, a Jew of Jews, you know, just he did everything right. He knew the scriptures, but yet he admits right here, sin was living in me. It was my master. He even says in verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh, for the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. Isn't that the most frustrating thing? To have the desire to do something and then not be able to do it, not have the ability? For instance, I could take you over here to the basketball gym, and um, I would have the desire to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal. In my mind, I would go up, coming like this off of the free throw line, and then 10 you know, feet later, I'm almost there, I do one of these, this. I'm still in the air. Close my eyes, maybe rock it, and then come behind me like that. That's the desire that I would have over there in the gym. Yeah, I know. You, you have your own dreams, I'm sure, you know? <laughs> Probably nowhere near those. But there's the desire and the lack of ability, okay? That's a frustrating thing, but when we all are born into this planet, that's where we are. You know, Paul's saying, I have the desire all the time to do good things, to do things for God, but I just didn't have the ability, okay? So what do we need to be freed from? The law is first. Secondly is our own sin. Both of those are our masters. Now, God gave us the law, and it was supposed to bring us to Christ. Sin, we brought it on ourselves by choosing to look away and disobey. So, we're freed from those two things, and I want you to look now at the end of chapter 7, picking up where we left off. Where does freedom come from? And again, just a good reminder. Verse 20 says, Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. 
But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. He says, what a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me or free me? Who will bring freedom to me? Who will rescue me from this dying body? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we're thinking about being free in Christ and what that means and where we came from, we've got to understand all three of these things are kind of, they're in the background. They're in our history. They're in our, even our, you know, our makeup, our DNA. We are sinners at birth. And it's our master. The only thing that can take us away from that situation is Christ, right? So who are we freed by? We're freed by Christ. Look at uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. That's one of my favorite verses. Therefore, now no condemnation exists for those in Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Okay? Our elementary school kids can understand this. Okay? Lots of them have turned their lives over to the Lord, been baptized, and they're growing. Uh, I hope that many of you are doing the same. If you haven't, this is a great wake-up for you, hopefully. That, you know, you have a master, whether you like to admit it or not, it's your own sin. And the only way to get rid of that master and get the master who loves you unconditionally is to trust in Jesus Christ alone. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But that's not what I really wanted to, to kind of really focus on tonight. I've been thinking a lot about freedom in Christ. And I get grace, and I get um, God's free gift that he offers to me. I'm good at receiving it. I'm good at giving it to others. You know, if you were to step on my foot, it might hurt, but it's, it's my strength to forgive you, you know. But it's not my strength to not step on your foot all the time. You know, when it comes to that other side of freedom, what are you freed to? That's what I strive with every day. You know, what now? So here's what we're going to do with the what now. Well, we first we move on to that. Let's look at your list here at the very bottom of this page. And I hope this will be a good encouragement to you for what has already happened for most of you in your life if you've trusted in Jesus. What are you freed from? Now, you may not know there's some things you're freed from, um, but in Christ, all these things are true. Addictions, like alcohol, impurity, drugs, food. Um, sometimes I wonder if that's one of our biggest, you know, addictions in, in America is, is food. But all these things, although we may struggle with them, in Christ Jesus, we're freed from anything that this life has to offer. Anything that Satan throws at us. Christ has already said, you know what? I'm your master. If you're in me, you can be victorious over all these things. Another thing we're freed from, the slavery of sin and the law. We just read that. The destiny of hell. In Christ, that is no longer any of our destinies. In Christ, we're freed from being condemned for any sin, whether it be one, a ten, a thousand, a million. There's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. How about the weakness of the sinful nature? The sin, uh, excuse me, the sinful nature, our flesh, is so weak, isn't it? Yeah, you try to fast for a day. You ever, you know, the first time you ever fasted, how, did you do very good? I remember one time fasting in college, and I was like so proud of myself after three hours. And, you know, the fourth hour, I was like, man, this is hard. 
Because it, it wasn't a practice of my life. You know, it wasn't a spiritual discipline. So the sinful nature is so weak. But you and I, we're free from that. And if we were to really embrace it, it's like when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. They said, I fear that we have woken up the sleeping giant, which is the power and the fortitude of America, right? You and I in Christ Jesus are a powerful force to reckon with. By ourselves, we're weak. You know, we're pitiful. But in Christ, you know, we can blow over a ship, okay? And so these are the things we're freed from. Whether we, you know, focus on that, whether we accept it, it it's, all, it's all the truth. We're freed from the civil and ceremonial law, okay? When we talk about what, what the Old Testament does and what the New Testament, the Old Testament, you know, there's three types of law. You've got the civil law, which is all the, the laws that um, the community would have. You've got the ceremonial laws. You've got all the festivals and everything. You've got the dietary laws. Then you've got the moral law. The moral law has continued, but we are free from having to obey those different kind of Sabbaths and festivals and moons and all, and all those types of things. Um, we're still obeying Christ and in, in the, in the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's just, um, it's under the power of the Holy Spirit now. We're also freed from the burden, and let this sink in for a little bit. Maybe you struggle with this. I struggle with this from time to time. But I want to take hold of the fact that I'm freed from this next one. The burden of impressing people on the outside while knowing you are different on the inside. In other words, when you are saved in a new creation, you really don't need to impress people ever again. It's like, I hate to use my wife all the time, but, you know, she's a great example. When I got married, I never have to impress a girl again. I'm sorry. Never do. I have to impress her. And I hope I'll impress my daughters. But, um, man... She's with me for good, right? right. <laughs> she said that before all of mankind in a church. But I believe that non-Christians, if they would really admit this, and the lost, and, and sometimes even us, we struggle with it, we're always trying to impress people that we're better than we are. When, you know, you can do it so easily on the outside, but what's inside is the only thing that God knows. And so that burden... It's taken off of you. You don't have to impress anybody anymore. You just be who you are in Christ Jesus. And that's all God ever really calls us to be. All right. So if you had all that, and that's the only thing that you were given with the smart salvation, um, talking and texting, email and searching the internet, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good enough? It would be good enough for me. I've always thought that. If salvation, being freed from hell and sin, was the only thing God offered, that would be great. But there are a lot more apps available. So let's turn to the back side. And this is what I want to focus on the rest of our time. And that is, what are we freed to? Okay? So freed from, we just covered that. Now there's this new identity that we have. We're in Christ. What are we freed to? Because if you only enjoy or live in the fact that You've been freed from a lot of things, but you don't know what you're freed to. You're missing on a lot of the scripture. You know, after the gospels, it does go over the, the, the gospel itself over and over, but it really gets into Christian life, to this, what are we freed to? So that's what I want to encourage you tonight.
to embrace this mission, the mission that you're freed to. If you, if you think about Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, um, lest any man should boast. So it's, you didn't earn it yourself, but then you got to move on to the next verse, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay? So this is what we're talking about here. What are we freed to? And have you embraced this? Maybe there's something on here that God will speak to you tonight. I hope you will. First of all, first point here is we're freed to please God with sincerity of heart, through obedience, praise, honor. Um, there's going to be a lot of parentheses here, and that's kind of, if you want to take it a little further, you could, you could look up this scripture or think about this truth. Outside of Christ, our righteousness is as filthy rags, but inside Christ, we are his workmanship, created for good works. Before you, you trusted in Jesus, your works really amounted to nothing. And that's sad for me. I think about this sometimes, you know. Was it all a waste? Yeah. Was there good that was done? Yeah. But not the good that counts for God's glory, for his honor, for his credit. You know, back before I was, I was saved, if I did something that helped somebody else, the credit would go to me, you know. I wasn't thinking, yeah, that was for God. That was for his kingdom. I did that so people would see him. I did it so I could be a light. I did it so people would, you know, see my good works and praise him. None of that would happen. None of that was eternal. It was just all about me. Maybe people looking better at me or thinking good of me or, or just being pleased. Now you're freed up in Christ Jesus. You're freed to please God finally. Another thing, and this is in bold because it's kind of a weird statement, but it's truth and it's neat if you really get a hold of it. You're freed to be enslaved. You've been freed up so you can be an enslaved to Christ. In other words, you've got the most incredible master, leader, um, new boss in your life than you've ever had before. A couple of, um, of characteristics that I kind of put in parentheses here. Um, to be enslaved to Christ is to willingly put your life and your heart in the most loving, gracious, kind, perfect master of all time. In other words, if you were to choose the best leader of your life. You couldn't choose anybody better than Jesus Christ. And when you have been freed from sin, now you're enslaved. You, you get to be enslaved to a person like this, who not only is your leader, but he's perfectly loving, gracious, merciful, kind, um, and perfectly wise. You're also free to be adopted as God's kids. Take a look at John 14 if you want to go deeper there. You're free to be truly new and changed from the inside out. Isn't that what all the politicians love to say? I'm going to bring about change, you know? There's going to be true change. We're not, oh, well, his change may be changed, but my change is going to be a better change and change, change, change. But none of it is really true change because it's a human trying to do human things for humans. In Christ, you know, we're a new creation. So we're freed up to that. We're freed to finally, the moment of your salvation, you are truly being changed. And it's not something you can do to yourself. It has to be done internally. Embrace that. We are free to be spiritual, okay? We love to throw that term around. You know, are you a spiritual person? Are you a religious person? Are you a um, godly person? Well, you can't really truly be, you're not free to be spiritual until you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. Because before you're earthly, you're fleshly, you're worldly. 
It's not until the Holy Spirit comes in that you become spiritual in that sense. How about this one, the next one? Free to do the good we often desire to do. Remember maybe years ago or when you were a kid or a teenager, there's this point in your life before you're a Christian when you probably had a desire to do a lot more good, to, to impact people. Maybe you didn't have that desire, but now that you do have the desire, you also have the ability, okay? You can dunk the basketball now. Not really. If it was eight feet, I think so. Yeah. Last, ten years ago was when it was a nine foot, and now it's eight foot. So I can dunk the eight foot goal. You're also free to, next point here, enter heaven, not because of your righteousness, but because Christ has become a part of your life. You're free to do that. He, when you come up to the door, the pearly gates, and Peter's there, and that's how all the jokes start, right? But when you enter the presence of God at the point of death, you are free to come in. Because, not what you did, but because there's no more condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. When you think about those truths, does that change your day and your outlook? It does me. The simple little things. It makes my attitude so much more uh, in check, so much more peaceful, hopeful. We need to meditate on the simple truths like this uh, to really affect our day. We are freed to have a kind, perfect, loving, all-knowing new master, new master and boss. We're freed to have a real hope. You remember the latest politician that says, I'm going to bring hope? But it wasn't a true hope because man's hope always fades away. But God's hope is 100% secure. And again, just look at um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're free to have peace because in Christ we have a peace that passes all understanding, guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you don't have peace right now, but if you're a believer in Christ, you are free to have it. In other words, it's just yours for the taking. Freedom to have peace. Even through stress and trouble and, and turmoil in your life and chaos, because we all have it from time to time, you are free. You are free to accept the peace that Christ offers. You just exchange it. Here's my worry. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You got the stress, you can worry about it, or you can present it to God. You are free to do that, and you'll get his peace. You're free to have your works last. Before I was in Christ, again, I think about the things that I tried to do. I tried to be helpful, tried to obey my mom, um, tried to not, you know, talk back to my teachers or all these things I tried to do. But in Christ, things change. Your works be can become eternal. The things you do for each other here on this planet. In Christ, if you're doing it for him and for his glory. If you look at 1 Corinthians 3, not now, but another time, it talks about um, what you do as you build on God's foundation, on Christ's foundation. As you do that, your, your works become eternal. And there's a reward for us as we do that in heaven. Last couple ones. You're also free to choose not to sin any moment. Never, ever, ever should we believe the lie, well, I just can't do that. That's just not in my nature. Or I can't not do that sin or that habit or that whatever. That's a lie. 
And that's what Satan is really good at, saying, you know what, you've been a good little Christian boy and girl, and, but that thing over there, you just can't overcome that. You can't not do it. That's, that's a lie. Christ says, uh, you don't have to depend on yourself as you depend on me. Look at the parentheses there. Serve Christ, depend on him, have the Spirit's power in times of weakness, stress, and temptation. Ephesians 5.18 simply says, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled, be in submission, be filled, and you won't sin. I'm not saying you won't ever sin, but you have the power at any moment to turn from sin and to walk in obedience to Christ. That's, that's power. To, to accept that and to know it and to be skilled at that, well, that takes a lifetime, doesn't it? Last couple ones. You're free to have power over evil, Satan, and his demons. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. I was also afraid of this picture in my grandmother's house. It looked like my uncle, Doug. And I, she always had to take it down when I went over to my grandmother's house. I've noticed I'm less fearful. And I, I hope I'm attributing it to, you know, not that I'm more manly, but I'm more in touch with the God who is bigger than everything. And it's VeggieTales that has helped that. God is bigger than the boogeyman. So... Truth can come from all interesting places. But they got that from the Bible too. So you are free. You're free to have power over Satan. Not that you're more powerful than Satan, but he that is within you is what? Got it. You got it. That's 1 John 4, 4 if you want to look at that later. He who is within you is greater than he is in the world. Last two. You are free to approach the throne of God with boldness. Not just you can pray. Not just you should pray. Not just prayer is good. But because of your relationship with Jesus, you have a different relationship with God. You know, if the Father's here and you're here, Christ is in the middle going and bringing us together. He's putting a bridge with his cross, basically, isn't he? And the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, Approach the throne of grace with boldness. Not because you're a great person, you've done great things and you deserve it, but because you have a great Christ and he gives you that freedom. You are free to do that. The last thing is this. You are free to have so much potential. Doesn't matter what age you are. Doesn't matter what ability you are. It doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter what you think you lack in Christ, you have this freedom to have unlimited potential for the kingdom of God. Each of us is like that. Forget what you did this morning that was wrong. Forget what you haven't done this last week or this last month. His mercies are new what? Every morning, every day. We are free to have so much potential to do good and righteous and eternal things. And this is key as we partner with God and work in his power and for his glory. So I hope you'll, maybe for a moment, this week, tonight, sometime that'll hit you and you'll be reminded of that. Yeah, I'm freed from a lot of bad stuff, but I'm also freed too a lot of wonderful things. Freed from sin, freed from the law, but freed too potential. Freed too a mission. Freed too 
be anything that God wants me to be. And I'm going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for what we're freed from, what we're freed to. God, help us never to think lies, to dwell on that in our hearts and minds. Help us to, to know your word better and better so that when we're tempted to think wrong thoughts, to make wrong actions, we'll at the least have your truth that protects us from those times. God, help us to embrace all the peace, the power, the spirit, um, everything that you offer us, Lord. There's so many things that, the God, that we don't dwell upon enough, that we don't remember. Remind us and encourage us and convict us of things that, that we've been thinking this wrong or that we've been acting this wrong. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all have a great night.